to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Welcome to Pod Damn America slash Everybody Loves Communism. I'm Jake Flores. I, Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here. Alex Patak is here. Hello, I'm sharing a mic with Anders today. And from Everybody Loves Communism, Jamie Peck. Hello. And Jorge Rocha. What's up? Uh, I got that everyone's name right? Okay, cool. Good job. There's a million people on the podcast today. We're talking about Barbie. It was going to be a fake out episode like we like to do on this show and make our fans mad where we were like, you expect us to do Oppenheimer but we're doing Barbie. Remember when we did Star Wars instead of talking about Iran? Everyone loved that. <laughs> That's why we have to keep doing it. So originally, I think that was like a funny idea. Like, oh, we'll talk about Barbie instead of Oppenheimer. But the thing is, I think this might be bigger than Oppenheimer at this point. This movie has crazy uh, taken like, the world by storm. When was the last time you saw a movie that like literally everybody had to go see? Like maybe Get Out? is the closest thing I could think of. Like these showings, it was hard, so hard to get a ticket. Mm-hmm. We had to go to the fucking drive-in and sit outside, <laughs> which turned out to be lovely. I didn't it's even know cool. this place existed. It's really cool, it's, actually. Turned out to be great, but like these, yeah, everyone's seeing it. I saw it in Williamsburg Cinema and like the, the sheer amount of just like feminine energy in the <laughs> room. I've, I guess I have not seen a movie that was like this I, movies I see maybe are just like dudes like, well, yeah, we got to go see the really intense Joker movie or whatever. It was it, it was visceral and it really came to a head when the previews started and the woman next to me took out a big thing of tinfoil and ate mushrooms. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was like, yeah. Oh, th- this would have been a much better movie to do that with than Cats, which is what I did because I'm stupid. This has gotten the most like uh, uh, press and chatter and chit chit chat around it since the Joker, I think, because the Joker had those bullet <laughs> uh, gun metal detectors at the movie theater, and so people were like, "I have to go to see if I get killed." But yeah. this one is like, "I have to go and see if I leave woke." I'm too. I think the right's pulling for a lot of the buzz on this one, honestly. Forced feminization. Yeah. yeah. I guess that yeah. was the last one movie like this. Joker. Either the two kinds of movies: Joker and Barbie. The two genders. She's Harley Quinn. So that makes sense. Oh, yes. Literally. The connection is there. Apparently, Ryan Gosling was offered like to play Joker in those movies. No. That, so it could have been a reunion Whoa. of. That would have been so weird. Cillian Murphy, the Oppenheimer guy, was Scarecrow in the Christopher yes. Nolan. Right. That right. Begins. Gosling might be a little. Too handsome for Joker. I mean, with Heath the... Ledger's really handsome. Yeah, Anders and I are so close. I'm gonna kiss him. I'll <laughs> wait till he makes a really good point, and he's forgotten I said this, and then I'm just gonna plant one. Wait, and it's gonna happen maybe a few times. Alex, uh, it's like we're watching Barbie. Is it handsome? Do you know something we don't about? Like, is Heath Ledger around? Yeah, he's back. By the <laughs> way, yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of blowing the lead here, but Heath Ledger is back, and uh, he's uh, he's also JFK. Jr. I wonder if he <laughs> would have been cast as Ken if he had still lived. He kind of anyway. seems Maybe. like you need like a non toxic masculine sex symbol to play Ken. Yes. Do you know how I got these pink cars? 
Ooh, that might be. That was a stretch. That might be. A, <laughs> <laughs> It's a, you can't see it, but we're sitting far apart, but we lean all the way in. It's, it's like really doo like <laughs> One of us finishes a, a take, and then the other comes in with a riff. And yeah. Speaking of leaning kissing. in, yes. let's talk about this fucking movie. Right. I'm very curious to have, uh, we have one woman here to explain to this us the the feminism of this movie. Is uh, it sexist no. to have her talk first? Because there's ladies first, which is kind of antiquated, but uh, also promoting women. Everything about what you're doing right now, I think is sexist. <laughs> <laughs> there's no right answer to that. Just don't think that way, I think. <laughs> but Don't put Jake in that position. I'm curious because I, I had a th- I really liked this fucking movie, and I don't know, sometimes I just like, uh, I, I have a really good time at the movies, and then I'll chew on a movie for like two days, and then two days later, I'm like, wait a minute, that actually sucked. And I'm kind of curious whether that's going to happen. But I really liked it. And I thought that it was smart and well executed in terms of, of like brewing theory about gender and stuff like that into a comedy, which I don't think needs to, I don't think a movie needs to be like hyper radical enough for you to go. That was well done. And there was some points and stuff in it, but I'm curious if, cause I'm a guy and I'm like, I am the party in feminism that has like no nuance and no fucking insight into it. I, I what occurred to me when I was walking out of the movie is I was like, "Am I a white person walking out of Black Panther, going that film solved this thing?" <laughs> like mm, you said it, not me, Jake. That's I think that's what's going on, and I think like, but I'm aware that point. I'm not aware is what I'm getting well, at. So that's pretty good. Well, good. Please tell me why this the feminism I mean, of this film actually sucked. Look. It's, uh, I'm not the kind of joyless person who can only enjoy things that, you know, completely correspond with my politics and my ideology. Otherwise, I would only enjoy, like, obscure films from the Soviet Union or whatever. But, like, you know, obviously, it's a product of Hollywood. It's going to have, you know, bourgeois ideology, pretty hegemonic in Mm -hmm. Hollywood. Shall we call it the left wing of neoliberalism? Uh... Yeah, I think it made some efforts to yes. uh, sort of, you know, this is like a Zizek, very Zizek idea, right? To uh, the work of art, the work of bourgeois art, it uh, contains the critique of the thing that it's doing. And yeah. in that way, sort of inoculates itself against criticism and makes itself even more effective, right? That's like, what was very confusing about it. You kept having to remind yourself, like, wait a minute, but they made this movie. Yeah, like, you're still staring at Barbies for two hours, and your yeah. kid is still going to want you to buy them one at the end of it. Ooh, ooh, did, did people hear that right after, like, this did well for opening weekend, they announced they're doing Polly Pocket? Oh, my oh, God. I think that's, like, the yeah, exact yeah. example. They're doing a ton. They're doing a really? ton. Yeah. But, so, like... These are real critiques, though. Like what the little girl said. Apparently, Mattel didn't want it in there, by the way. But Greta Gerwig like really fought to keep it in there. You know, the little girl's like, "Fuck Barbie!" You know, you're a body fascist, and it's capitalism and consumerism. Blah blah blah. The and I think if they if it hadn't been in there, it would have been a less effective you know piece of bourgeois art. But um, you know, it's like none of these things were discredited in any way in the movie. Like. I don't think it's the most pressing issue in the world, but there is a reason that like I and all the women I know are always on a diet and it's not because we played fat dolls when we were kids. 
Right. I did play with fat dolls. I played with Transformers and all kinds of robust <laughs> figures who really filled out a palm and really just made you feel like you were going to work picking those things up. And now I eat a cake every day, pretty much. I played with Ninja Turtles when I was a kid, and I think I have their exact body now. <laughs> <laughs> Except I for the played. muscles. They have, a, they have abs under the shell. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> did anyone else play with Barbies growing up? Am I the only one? Well, well, interesting. So I played with them a bit. Okay. I had an older sister, and so and my parents were cheapskates. They're like, why would we buy new baby clothes? We're going to have a... We had a boy, a, sec, a second child, and he'll, he'll wear babe, pink baby clothes. And also, we have these toys left over, <laughs> and so he's going to... They're, they're toys. Let them let cook with the Barbie and Ken. And I got... My sister was not always happy about it. She, I remember distinctly, biggest word I had heard at the time, she didn't want me rolling the Barbie car down a hill because she said it still had sentimental value to wow. her. Um, but this movie has been criticized as being a giant commercial for Mattel. And that's not untrue. But it, I will add to that a, a bit of context and say it is beyond just the toy itself. It's not just an ad for the toy, because if you look at what is being said by Anon Cries, who is the new CEO of Mattel, mm-hmm. um, and to add a little more context too, they've got up until 2018 they had four CEOs in four years. Barbie, their toy sales in general were pretty low, which still enough to feed a developing nation for you know, 10 years, the amount of money they were making in a year. But still, they're like, we need, we're, we're not, this isn't working anymore. People don't, and even when this movie came out, I was like, oh yeah, Mattel, they're still around. It's just one of those, it seems like an old hat corporation that you assume just got absorbed into something else. But they're still a company, and this guy cries, has kind of reinvigorated the company, and he says, this isn't about selling Barbies. We don't need the money from Barbies. This is about creating a new cinematic universe. And he is, I think crucially here, Israeli. And they need Whoa. someone who creates, you know, a community. Out, or a, a, so it's about selling movie tickets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and creating this, this uh, IP that transcends just the object like you'd buy in the store. Creating a country, yeah, one exactly. might say. Right. He is doing Zionism with... Uh, Mattel into the cinema. Oh my cinema. god. Barbie <laughs> land is Israel. Oh no. Barbie is only intended to be watched by the Jewish people. That's, I think, <laughs> clear to anyone who's seen the movie. This riff is ice cold, but I'm now imagining selling Anders on his sister's Barbies by being like, that's Bob Dole's wife. <laughs> you Nailed. can play with it. <laughs> Nailed it. Honestly, props to your parents for being so cheap to said, fuck the gender norms. Yeah. My, I mean, my main toy as a kid was an inflatable ball that I would bounce around on. But um, <laughs> we could do. Yeah. Anyway, there's so much Anders lore on our podcast. I, I mean, I learn about you every week, and it's fascinating. I will say, the Ryan Gosling character. I don't know how other people feel about this. When I first saw he was cast, I was like, "Oh, that's not a good Ken," because Why? as as J- well as you were saying uh, earlier, he's not a t- toxic. He's not like he's sort of sensitive. Well, as, Ken is beta. Well, that's and that's what I remembered when I, earlier. That's the way he is portrayed in the movie. Is he's not like a stud alpha male. He only he is, exists in relation exactly, to Barbie. Exactly, exactly. Right. And Ken. which I related to very hard because you know, and not to get too psychoanalytical here, but like I, I really related to this as a former 
boy who had an older sister, <laughs> which is boy. what <laughs> what an insane thing to say as a former as a boy. former rent boy. <laughs> I know what it's like. Well, to you know be what I mean. Disposably. Well, you guys had. You know, I don't know if anyone had an older sister growing up as a boy, but like you, you the thing you crave most is the attention from your sister's friends, mm. and that's what Ken's uh, raison d'etre is. It's not sex, and I think that's what a lot of people are missing in the criticism is like, oh, he just wants to get laid. No. He doesn't care. He doesn't know what that is. He doesn't have a dick. Well, he really, doesn't have a dick. He just wants female attention. I think it's something that's really funny about what they're doing in this movie is that they are making these little, like, interesting mini paradigms about... Uh, they're constructing ideas in relation to patriarchy and matriarchy, which need sex and reproduction to happen, like, historically and sociologically, but there's no sex they don't fuck, so that's why it's, like, really funny to look at, because you're like, why? Like, why are they doing all this stuff? And then they have to answer the question, and that's just, like, a premise for, like, good, you know, comedy. The, or the workaround they do for explaining patriarchy without having dicks involved is the funniest part of the whole movie, yeah. where they're like, it's like having a horse, yeah. and it's a <laughs> soft rock. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like the thing where they introduce Ken and then he says, I only exist in relation to Barbie. Like I only have a good day if she looks at me is funny. And I, 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 the reason I laughed is I was like, oh, I get what they're saying. This is a wink and a nod to like the male gaze concept. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're inverting it. And the, the premise of the movie is Barbie lives in this world where, uh, men only exist through the female gaze. Everything's inside out. They go into the real world. It's. Uh, it's the it's the correct way here. It's the right way with men in charge. Um, I'm joking. With horses, yeah, with horses. Um, and then Ken discovers that he discovers the patriarchy. He takes it back. Uh, it all hell breaks loose in Barbie Land. He's like toxic and male, and he's like, look, we have there's this thing called the patriarchy. And then the climax of the movie, the uh, the little synthesis here is they kind of realize neither of these are actually really good. Uh, I. It, well, we don't need to go back to. But like, I don't think is, they think it's not good in the movie. In the yeah. movie, they're like, "Good, Barbie's back on top." Yeah, and then they give Ken like as much power as women have in the real world, which is to say, still not that much. Right. And then everything is good after that, and he goes on a personal journey of self-discovery. I have a question for the which podcast. Which is pretty lib, pretty lib, if you think about it. That you know? I've been saving, which the is... The answer lies within. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we, we need to discuss the Barbie theory of power with how the women seize control from Ken, and is it an endorsement of abandoning electoralism at large? <laughs> and I think that's kind of what they're saying. They do a direct the, action, the you're they right. Really do, they just do a palace. They do like a Napoleon-style coup. So, well, because so, Ken was trying to do January 6th on the Barbies. Well, they also kind of did a cultural revolution with brainwashing everyone, you know? I, th I think that was going for just kind of like uh, to toying with like apathetic, primarily males in America who, who don't end up voting and people who get work. That, that was kind of a, a liberal critique, I thought, of like, oh, the, all these people who... Complain about the system, but then don't vote, which is... Which their... totally does the trick every right. time. <laughs> so I think kind of what you were saying earlier, Jamie, about like the bourgeois art point is really present with like this in terms of like describing the political mechanics and like, oh, Kent's going to intentionally do patriarchy. He had, he had kind of like a Mussolini turn. It's like, oh, I'm a Marxist and I know how the system works, but what if I was on top and do this start doing capitalism and, and evil on, on purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. so, and it's so, because, sorry. Oh, so, so then also with respect to kind of what you're saying now, in terms of like, like 
what you mentioned, Jake. It's, it's uh-huh. interesting because I view, because it is fundamentally a propaganda for the Mattel Corporation, yeah. but also was on, on behalf of the ruling class being the U.S. government and everyone involved with it. So what if it's like a, like a limited hangout of sort? Oh, yeah, we totally agree. Sometimes you do things like, and the way you stop it is by voting, right, everybody? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's absolutely fundamentally a limiting factor of a piece of art like this. But, like, uh, I was, you know what? I've been thinking a lot, a lot lately that kind of overlaps with this is, like, um, The Bear. I, I really like that TV show, The Bear. We did an episode about so it good. when it first came out. The second season just happened. I binged the whole thing. I had a really good time watching it. Um, but I was talking to, like, a left this friend of mine about it and I asked him like have you seen this show it's really interesting it's about the service industry and he hit me with the I don't dream of labor thing and I was like you know what that's a really totally valid reason not to watch a show about being at work like it stresses you out to watch this show sometimes why would you do that Um, and I respect that perspective but I remember kind of thinking like uh, what's interesting about this show is when I was watching the bear I would be like I'd really into it because it's just well-told stories. But every once in a while, my brain would remind me, like, you are watching propaganda that technically is glorifying, like, the petty bourgeois small business owner and stuff. And there are, like, uh, huge problems with this where, like, if you, you really shouldn't hang your hat on this. And the way for me to square this circle is to go, actually, no. Like, the third thing here... the. The, the right way to look at this is for me as a person who likes art to go, I understand all of the boundaries, parameters, and limitations that are occurring in this piece of art and why. And if I go into every screening of everything I watch, knowing like, let me get it right off the bat. Hey, I understand that this is about work. I'm going to have fun within those bourgeois parameters with what's being told in this story. I can walk away going like, yeah, I, I like, I get that that is true about this. I didn't let it didn't ruin it for me because I exist in a universe where everything is like this. So like the the stuff in Barbie where they were like voting and they had a fucking liberal government and all this stuff, uh, I I was aware of that. I just think it's like irrelevant to the story because it's just the realism of the story. It's a good critique, but I think that that like the stuff that they were talking about with gender is in there. If you if you want to see it and disconnect it from like I don't know the liberal limitations. Well, of the movie. here's the thing though: the movie is trying to be political. It's not just a silly movie yeah, with like subtle politics. So it's coming out yeah, there fair. and it's saying it's 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 like all right, like you know I enjoyed the first half of it. It was clever, funny at times. There's even some Easter eggs in there for like music nerds, or whatever. Like oh I. I know about pavement. I'm still cool, even though I brought my kid to this movie or whatever. These but, jokes were funny. Yeah. No, there's like stuff in there for people like us. But um, where am I going with this? Yeah. Then it gets a little heavy handed with the liberal feminism. You know, Kate McKinnon is in it, which automatically ratchets, ratchets that up at least to a, a six or a seven. <laughs> um, you know, she's Hillary Clinton, guys. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. It's, it's, it feels very like girl bossy. <laughs> You know, a little bit like uh, you can have whatever job you want and you got to be pretty still, though, and you're going to complain about it. But these are mostly like bourgeois concerns that you're complaining about. And like, 
Yeah, I mean, I just did it, right? Like, I was like, oh, well, you know, it does suck that we feel pressure to, like, look a certain way. And that is a, a concern that I have, you know, bourgeois or not. But it, it's, and, it, and like, Margot Robbie is, like, the ultimate embodiment of that, like, girl boss feminist ideal that exists in the world right now, right? Because she's, like, really beautiful, conventionally hot. She's smart. She's successful and wealthy. She's talented. She's all the things that a woman is supposed to be that like that other character complains about in the same movie. Yeah, I just I feel like they they worked through that sort of stuff and got to some conclusions that they just sort of shown a little bit of light on. And like in order to get to the end of like a dialectical process, you have to work through the thing you're you're you know in contradiction right. with and like the there, dialectics that, of Barbie. There's a point at the fucking at, at near the end of the movie where the mom character is like going through everything and saying like I what about if I wanted to not be a mom and not be hot and not be like there's all these different permutations that a person can be and I think that that I I, I maybe I'm giving the movie too much credit but I feel like it kind of started to like understand the what's wrong with girl boss feminism and it like it made a few jokes that implied that like i mean spoiler alert i guess if you're going to go watch fucking barbie and you're listening to this but like the end of the movie i was like uh oh my god the end of the movie is going to be that she went to the real world and that she's like getting a ceo corporate job and girl boss shit and then the punchline is they're dropping her off at this place and it looks like she's going in for a job interview and she's like, hello, I'm here to meet a gynecologist. Right. And I thought that was, I read that, that as clever. intentional. Like, I was like, oh, no, like, they're going to fuck up the, the, the entire thing. And then it's like a. No, it's, it's not, genitals that make a woman, Jake. Yeah. Well, well, I thought, I thought the, point is turf, the point is to be a turf. Fair, that might be bad, too. I felt, oh, well, they, they did have the token trans Barbie. Right. Which Ari Neff. I'm not yeah. sure how that works for dolls. Like, was she born a Ken and then she transitioned? But I, I do think, think we're supposed to notice and be like, yay, representation. I, I think I would say the movie had strong political themes, but I wouldn't say it had a very... Uh, I, I, they weren't conclusive in any way. I don't think it was really trying to make a, a point, and I don't think movies necessarily need to do that because I think towards the end, what they're getting towards is something that is ambiguous in real life and in the movie. Is it's like what are what do we want to move towards in terms of a gender in society? A gen, what would a genderless world look like? No idea. Are we still going to like boobs? I don't know. And, and I, I don't I think still it, like boobs. Okay. That is an eternal fact. Fair enough. But I, I feel like it doesn't try to answer that. It's just like leaves us wondering about it. Yeah, we don't know, but just go buy Barbie and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, ultimately it is still constrained by the fact that it's a commodity. In a way, it's almost beyond bourgeois art. It's just commodity art. It's just the, celebrating not even the class, just the th commodity itself. Um, so it has those constraints, absolutely. But I, I, it is interesting, though, that... Uh, this was Margot Robbie's initiative as a producer to bring on Greta Gerwig because they had uh, attempted to make a Barbie movie a few times before this, and it ended up just being wrapped up in it. it you know, the it, it a lot of people detached themselves. Amy Schumer, for instance, because it felt reactionary what they were mm -hmm. doing, and a lot of that had to do with it was about a singular Barbie. It was just about one individual 
Barbie. And Margot Robbie was very clear, I want this to be a multitude of Barbies. I can be the main Barbie that we focus on, but this is a, in the, in the Barbie world, there's more than one of us. We all have the same name, which I thought was kind of cool. And it was her initiative to bring on uh, Greta Gerwig and, and I guess lend some artistic credibility to the project uh, which so they can kind of have their cake and eat it too. They can make all this money, but also have some appeal towards yeah. uh, critics who I think are panning it in many res- in many ways that I find to be a little uh, pedantic. But like how? Just that. Well, I, this is one of my least favorite criticism when people will say just like the writing is lazy and then not explain what they mean yeah, by that. Or, clever. Yeah, it was it's really like funny. They made a Barbie movie that doesn't suck. Right. And it's a exactly. much more effective piece of, you know, advertising propaganda than it would have been if they'd made like, you know, the movie Ben Shapiro thought they exactly. should make. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I thought it was really it. funny. <laughs> and people who are like, oh, the jokes were just one and done or they just thought, like, I thought what? that was ridiculous <laughs> criticism. And other people saying that Oh, the characters are too one-dimensional when we're literally watching a movie about dolls is just bizarre. Like, I, I, it, I feel That's like, the joke. Yeah, I feel like people are just grasping for some criticism because they don't want to seem like they've been duped by the Mattel Corporation when, like, no, yeah. you can enjoy well, the well, movie and also... That's what that's happens why... when you you lead with your politics yeah. is you, decide, you make up your mind before you go in the theater and then you say these things that you'd plan to say anyway. People do this with comedy all the time. This is why I don't agree with people when they say, like, oh, isn't it interesting how, like, there's no good right-wing comedy or whatever. You're just saying that because you're a politics dork. There is good shit Yo, that is... Trump is hilarious. He's the funniest <laughs> person of all time. If There is stuff that is like, that uh, uh, is artistically effective that has bad politics. Most art is because we live in an era when all art is made by the fucking bourgeoisie. So, like, if you don't understand that, you're going to fuck yourself out of enjoying anything. Mm. Like, because you have Nietzsche, to... Wagner, Michael Bay. Like, it's just like... <laughs> Can when I is... say something I liked about the movie? Please. I feel like I've been a little hard on it. There's things I liked and things I didn't like, okay? Sure. I do like that sort of the message in the end that the ability to imagine and create things is an essentially human quality, right? And it's worth being a human even if you have to die at the end, you know? Death is the price we pay. I thought that was cool. And that's, you know, ties back into a lot of our Marxism, right? The ability to create is essentially human. The ability to change the world around us, to make things. That's, mm. that's not something a doll can do. Yeah, that's weird that uh, so much of the Barbie movie was about death. I saw Tales of Earthsea for the first time last week, and it's like th- thematically the same that's film. based on the Ursula Le Guin? Yeah, it's, a, oh. it's like a Miyazaki, cool. Mi- uh, Hayao Miyazaki's son made it, and so there's like this whole wow. nepotism baby thing controversy with it, but it's still pretty good. They've got, they got swords and dragons and stuff. Cool. Yeah, check that out, unrelated to Barbie, but what I'm saying is it's the same movie as Barbie, so it's fine. Here's a question. What do you guys think about the Ruth stuff? Did you know about this whole Ruth no. element that was yeah, thrown in there at the end? Went in by me. I was like, oh, okay, that's random, and I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, that's a real lady. All the right. fuck is this? She invented the Barbies. Cool. Who is going to be complaining by the end of the Barbie movie? What? No Ruth? Well, you can't do a Barbie movie with no I thought that was the girl bossiest part of the whole thing is they're like, and you know, even though we have Will Ferrell and he's a pig man, Barbie was invented by a mother. Yeah, it's weird that they made her like the oracle. There was a moment... I just have to say this last thing. There, before they revealed, by the way, Ruth made Barbie, they'd already introduced her, and I was fully going into this like, 
This is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They put her in the movie. The twist is Ruth Bader Ginsburg needs Barbie to save Barbie. Wow. They do have the same too. first name. That's why I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just watch with this Mattel universe nonsense. It's going to be that Ruth is going to be like Stan Lee. Just shows up in all the movies. <laughs> mm, yeah. If I didn't know that they were going to do a fucking universe off of this. This is going to be like... Oh my God. I remember watching like one of the first Spider-Man movies and it was just like the first superhero oh, yeah. movie I'd watched in 10 years. Oh, and yeah, I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. that's pretty good. And then I think about it every day now and I'm like, I wish I hadn't told them it was good because right. yeah. they heard me and then they just made everything Spider-Man movies and now, uh, you know. So. I mean, it, that was crazy. I remember just seeing the first standee of Spider-Man in 2002. And at that point, they His name were is not- Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Relative. Sorry. At that point, they weren't making superhero movies. So it was just kind of a bizarre thought to have a movie about Spider-Man. And now it's just, it, and I feel like they're kind of, and maybe this is just DC trying to ape the Marvel uh, format, which just doesn't work. You know, it's hard to do the same thing twice with just all these interconnected movies and just all the, it's just, it works with Marvel and they got, but the DC universe is just a mess. Um, they, they're starting to lose money from those. And so they're looking for, instead of new ideas, they're like, okay, what other IP can Hollywood mine? And it's it's toys. Yeah. And well, girls. Like, I feel like this is meant to appeal to right. girls and gays more so than, you know. True. You yeah. guys. If you're a marketing fucking dickhead at the top of one of these towers looking at this, you're like, we fucking nailed it. Because, like, this is, you know... Hyper uh, marketing to demographics is like the entire game. That's what yeah. they're after. And like this, clearly, this fucking, it's impossible to get a ticket to see this fucking movie. You know, <laughs> you go in and it's full of women. Movie theaters aren't usually full of women. Women like and their gay friends, too. The gay guy friends. Yeah. I saw some really fabulously dressed gays <laughs> at the Barbie movie. My yeah. guy in the, in the fluffy pink little jacket yeah, that was cool that was and and there is some uh you know some queer coding in this film there was no scissoring scene which i was disappointed about oh because that's the thing you do with barbies because, yeah <laughs> duh <laughs> like there was some tweet that was like if the barbie movie does not have a scissoring scene it will be very inaccurate but um you know there was like this scene when you know every time they're driving in the car they're listening to the indigo girls Closer That's, I am. By the way, I thought that song for the longest time was Closer I Am to Find and not Fine. And that's really? kind of blowing my mind, yeah. <laughs> well, wow. The more you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you know, they had a token trans Barbie we already talked about. And, you know, a lot of... That Alan? Yes. They got Alan, Alan. who's like... Real... What? I would like to know... I would love to know more about Alan. Yeah. I feel like he should get his own spinoff movie. Alan is Ken's friend. He can wear all of Ken's clothes. Like, is he is he <laughs> supposed to be gay or just, like, a different kind of man? The joke in the movie is he's gay for Ryan Gosling. I've, I've, that's how I interpreted. Well, gay the, as like, they can be, because they're kind of they sexless yeah, and they, stuff. They're sexless, and they're uh, uh, you know they have achieved the level beyond that, which is the meat. But at the same time, I think like the little subtle haha they were going for is like, uh, 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 what's his name? Michael Sarah hates to see it when Ken is sad. It really hurts him. <laughs> and yeah. you can have like a non-sexual crush on someone. That's true. Right? Well, they do because yeah. it could be sense. like. They're asexual, but not aromantic. Right. Oh, um, not to sound like the person that recently came out of stripe on the flag. Not to sound like the person that recently came out as non-binary, but I pegged Alan as non-binary. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. How do you figure? There was a scene. They were saying like, oh, there's there's like Kens and then there's Barbies and then there's even Alan. Ooh. Um, yeah. Can I do a little spiel about that Ruth lady? Cause I read do about it. Dr. Ruth. I read about <laughs> this. Uh, because I remember reading some cracked article years ago about the well, you know, the origins of Barbie are actually crazy or whatever. But like I, I've written for cracked, a lot of that shit's fake. Uh, the listicle era of the internet was stupid. They didn't fact check stuff because everything had to be mind blowing, and it, it isn't that mind blowing a story. But I used to be a regular cracked listicle reader. You, pro- you might have read one of mine. Wow, <laughs> this is huge for you. Uh, it's a very highbrow podcast. Man behind the listicles. <laughs> Cracked was uh, interesting, but it was addictive. It was why it was called that. Well, actually, that's not why it was called that. It was called that because it was a knockoff of Mad Magazine. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, so that, the, so basically the story, at least the one we were being presented with here, is that that lady, um, <clears throat> she, she kind of ripped off a German doll that exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when she worked at Mattel, the, the only dolls that were made for little girls to play with were babies because what you would do, do with your kids to fucking indoctrinate them into being little, you know, Victorian family members and stuff is uh, little girls would get baby dolls and they would pretend to be mothers because you're training them to grow up and be mothers. And then the little boy plays with a fire truck because he's going to be a fireman or whatever. And there was this doll in Germany called, I can't remember, it's got some weird name, like Ibsi Lily or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it was like a well-selling adult doll of a woman. And Wait, for adults? No, no, the doll's an adult. Oh, okay. It's for little girls to be like, I'm playing as if I'm a, this is going to be me in the future, but it's, it's some woman and not a thing where I'm playing, I'm taking care of a baby or whatever. And so... Uh, the idea here is that um, you know she proposed this to Mattel, and they were like, "You crackpot woman, that'll never sell." And then she like made it, and it became this huge fucking thing. And what they're trying to say in the movie, I guess, is that like that's why it opens with like that spoof of 2001: A Space Odyssey, <laughs> where like yeah. this is like this revolutionizing idea, and it advanced a thing in a way. And you know, I think it kind of like. That argument kind of works, but again, you have to think dialectically, right? Because you gotta go like, okay, that's a good step, but then we gotta keep going. And like, yeah, uh, the idea of you know lifting women from like a worse place to a better place with a, a step in that direction of just having like a message of you are a person and like you are not just a mother and stuff is kind of you're interesting. You're a worker. Yeah, right. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's literally like, that's fucking, you're no longer a surf. Now you're a worker. We just need to make the next thing, which is like, you're not a fucking worker anymore, yeah. right? Now you play with DOS, whatever fucking Barbie or whatever. <laughs> but uh, they were kind of jamming on like the, the nature of art, I think thematically in, in this a little bit. And it, I think that's why we got this weird ending where like, it was cool, but... A, I think under capitalism, things don't just don't have good endings because like it's impossible to really the, the the good ending is the one that we want to happen, which is the one that Mattel doesn't allow to happen, right? So you end up with this more vague thing. I did think it was interesting that she kind of became a god at the end of the movie, where she was like, "I am if art became life," <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I don't really know what it meant. Like it was sure. kind of cool, but like that 
that's like what they're exploring. She's talking about reification, okay? I think that trajectory that I just described is like what they're exploring and the tragedy of libs is that they're just incredibly cynical in their imagination and that they take you that far and they go, that's as far as reality goes. Yeah, well, I mean, look, again, the movie is trying to be political, so I do think it's not, like, out of line to talk about how it has no class analysis whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. And it even goes so far as to try and say where patriarchy comes from. I don't know if you guys caught that towards the end of the movie. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's fucking dumb. Oh, the pain of existence. Like, it's like what the... Like, it's, it's what the Kens did. It's like, oh, men did patriarchy because they were sad. And they had too many feelings. Right. When we know that that's not actually how that Men works. Have we know have more feelings that. than anybody knows about. <laughs> One of our, we have a whole treasure trove of feelings. It's the source of our power. That's true. <laughs> that's not very materialist hey, of an but explanation. It, they're still there. But they do, yes. Right. No, I would never, I would never not validate your feelings. I mean, that's Ken's interpretation of where it comes from. I don't know if that the movie no, is the, saying No, the narrator where, said, like, fucking yeah. Helen Mirren. She's like, this, the pain of existence, and that's why humans created things like patriarchy mm, and okay. Barbie. I got mad in And the I was like, no, it's class society, <laughs> you stupid bitch. It would be very funny if Ken had a monologue that was like, my natural urge is the drive to domination. <laughs> Creating one over the next. You know, that'd be a great yeah, A will to power, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And also, okay, they never address the housing crisis among the Kens. Mm. Oh yeah, that was crazy. It's like, oh, do they yeah, where do they stay? The <laughs> They're homeless. <laughs> we don't know. We have to assume that the Kens are fucking homeless. That is interesting because towards in the beginning of the movie, uh, Ken asks to stay over. Oh my God. And again, very funny scene. And Barbie's like, and to do what? And he's like, kind of seems like yeah, he's hinting at sex, and he just he doesn't know. But maybe the <laughs> subtext there is he has nowhere to go, and he doesn't have a home. And, and Barbie has a home that she did not. Okay, so here's another question I have for you guys. All right, yeah. what is the mode of production in Barbie Land? Because I think the movie sends a lot of mixed messages about it. Like in in one part. They, you know, they don't seem to understand that you have to pay for things with money, mm-hmm. like when they're walking around in the real world. But then in another part, Barbie mentions uh, the flow of commerce, the women control. Uh, she said she said something like all the things I bought for my home. And I'm like, OK, maybe it's some kind of like lower stage socialism where, mm. um, you know, there's still a market for goods of various kinds. But and, and there's money circulating, but like basic things like housing for Barbies had, and, you know, pink convertibles or whatever, those have been decommodified. Yeah. It also seems like there's kind of a separation from the day to day lives of the Barbies and what they because they are all very intelligent. The things that they discuss and, uh, you know, decide about are actually totally abstract to them. So the Citizens United, for instance, is uh, struck down. <laughs> Uh, early on in the film, uh, which you know, I don't, I don't know if that's an actual. It's, it seemed like it's kind of academic, almost like it's, it's, they're, they're they're discussing things that don't actually mm-hmm. pertain to them. They're just it's all kind of just theoretical. I would like to argue that Barbie Land is post scarcity, uh, but still <laughs> locked inside of a capitalist mode where Barbie does have the job of shopkeep, and she is also the homeowner, and so. Uh, uh, 
the the way the film locks this in is the opening of the film. You watch Barbie begin her day. She goes to the sink. What does she do? She goes to brush her teeth. There is no water. There is no toothpaste. There is merely the object she holds like a baton for the ritual. And so she goes and she obtains these objects and they're traded and they, they have this, uh, the, the value of, a. uh, uh uh, of uh, you, you know, you want them. You gotta have them. But at the same time, I think like there's no water in the faucet. There's no money in the till. You know what I'm saying? They don't know how to yeah. use money, but right. they just trade. They be huh. sh- they be shopping. Do you? But they they shop. don't because Barbie <laughs> doesn't be... have a job. Right. But they... the uh, like the other Barbies have jobs, but she the stereotypical Barbie doesn't have a job, but she somehow has the ability to like you know purchase things and have things. So like maybe there's some sort of like UBI going on. Ken has a job, so it's beach. His job is beach. Yeah, that's a good point. He had the Barbies don't have jobs, or I mean, if they do, they're just positions of power. That's true. I mean, it seems like your, your your purchasing power has been unlinked from whatever it is you do or do not right. do in the world, which they, is they, you know, they honestly extract value from the Kens. I'm starting yeah. to see it now. <laughs> they have titles. Fucked up, but but, right? but but also an important aspect too is like, well, we, let's look at the multi world system that is the Barbie real world situation because they're only de- they're this is only possible because of the executives of Mattel su- sustaining it and they're doing right. a larger I'm saying it's like the global north like oh, it was like, it was yeah. like this is what Barbie would look like if like only the global north is socialism but everyone else social is still, fascism they, social fascism they think they're in a like a perfect utopia yeah. they have no idea that it's battery powered by a, a other place right. that has nothing right. to do with them yeah. it's a fantasy i mean it's a fantasy land it's the only place where that kind of socialist utopia uh is uh, no i fucked that up it's the only place where you could have a first world Social democracy that's not predicated on exploitation. There we go. So Barbie land is like this weird, uh, I'm trying to think there's like, this is not the first time this trope has been used. It's kind of like in the nightmare before Christmas or something like it. It's a world that exists in people's like, it's a product of imagination. Uh, it's so that's why it doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, it's limited by, uh, all sorts of realistic boundaries because it's like do what dumb children think about and shit it has like uh that's why i think it's it's kind of accurate but annoying that they're libs because like in that scene when one of the barbies is like i am uh, doing lisa simpson i'm very smart at civics and i'm here to strike down citizens united and talk (laughs) about how she says corporations are not people, they do not have the same rights, and the people that are behind this bill are trying to undermine our democracy. This is when the nerd part of me stood up out of my chair and was like, but we don't have a democracy. (laughs) That's bullshit, and it's stupid. I'm mad at the, but the thing here is the thing, right? I was mad at the character, not the movie. Because I was like, no, oh, this is this character is accurate. Right. This it's, is what it lives in people's imagination. People do yeah. imagine that we right. live in a democracy. Well, I and mean, Barbie Land maybe is a democracy. Fantasy of all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, if you kind of take the analogy we were talking about earlier, it's like, well, I mean, who was the ruling class of the Barbies? So it is their democracy. Uh, it's a democracy for Barbies, maybe not for <laughs> it's, Ken's. Yeah, exactly. Matriarchy, yeah. It's, it's a, a matriarchal. Bourgeois, yeah, matriarchal, like, weird liberal democracy right. thing. And uh, one of the criticisms that kind of baffles me is people saying, like, oh, well, this is a, supposed to be a utopia, but it's not actually perfect, which, I mean, that goes to... I mean, I guess it is kind of an interesting conversation is what is utopia. I think Thomas More 
Utopia is if Hillary had won the election. (laughs) I think that message was very clear. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, is it no place or is it uh, just a, I don't know. It literally uh, means no place. Right, right, right. Uh, Yeah, so it can be any kind of just imaginary society that um, is, you know, has institutions that are perfect in some way and uh, the people can still have problems and things. And I think that that is captured there. Uh, One thing I really took away from this is a quote I think about sometimes um, when I watch commercials that Salvador Dali, this is what I heard he said. I tried to dig up the quote. It's hard to find it. But um, actually, my sister used to say this when we'd watch commercials, that Salvador Dali said that advertisers were the last great American surrealists. Mm. And I think ultimately this is kind of a surrealist movie uh, because a lot of what they were getting at... It's also an advertisement. Exactly. Um, A lot of what they were getting at uh, in like the 20s and 30s was the unconscious, was dream states and what our, where our imaginations go and things that are sublimated. And uh, that's kind of what Barbie Land's relationship to the real outer world is. Uh, mm. Interestingly, yeah. Dolly himself was later kind of spurned by some of his contemporaries because he actually became friends with Walt Disney and said <laughs> Disney was a great surrealist and uh, respected him and was a pal with him on, on an artistic level, even though surrealism originally was like a communist movement. And, you know, we're activating this to lead to a revolution, not to, you know, making cartoons for a rich fascist. You know what's interesting about that is that a lot, I think, well, I'm going to pose an argument. It's possible that the surreal nature of advertising in America is a result of Edward Bernays, Freud's nephew, mm. coming to America and right, launching. Right, right. Uh, he basically is the origin of PR and worked in advertising. I talk no. about the egg thing every other episode on this podcast. The egg thing is him. Uh, but like, he, also, just to tie us into something topical, um, I read something today about there's a theory that some of the original, like, we saw a UFO propaganda was a distraction from the overthrow of Guatemala, which uh-huh. is what his first job was Ooh, in America, I, right? Nice. Well, yeah. So the the co- weird culture of, like, oh, maybe there's UFOs out there advertising all this shit came from someone, you know, deeply rooted in the origins of Freudian psych- psychologies, which, which is what the surrealists were, like, heavy into. So it's all connected. Yeah. Was it the egg thing or the chicken thing? Just kidding. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) What what did you guys think of the Will Ferrell part? That's what I was going to say. What did you think about that? Holy shit. Into this class class society. I was going to say that it kind of made CEOs look adorable, and that is also bad. Yeah, it did. And I wonder, you know, because the thing is, Mattel does like have the uh, bottom line on this entire thing and the power of veto on the whole thing. If there are drafts of a more sinister executive <laughs> who's played off kind of for laughs, and they were like, yeah, get that uh, the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> that is not going to be in my movie. We're going to have the cutest CEO of all time. Will Ferrell is just doing elf the whole time uh and it's awesome i enjoyed it uh the entire movie wouldn't it be uh, nice if they were like that in real life yeah but then they wouldn't be ceos yeah but there is kind of this thing of like the job versus the person element of it where like you could be a, a cute feminist who wants to spread barbie throughout the world and yet your function in society because of the position you fill is still of like the iron hand crushing the women beneath you which they do have him do like a few times in the movie i mean we we 
we had 60 years of like, well, I don't even know, 70 years of the queen, and she was basically that. Was she cute? I don't know enough about the queen. I tag out. I mean, Anders, go in. Uh, <laughs> little research I did here. So um, the Mattel Corporation dis- has dispatched a guy, Robbie Brenner, like short for Robert, Robert Brenner, Brenner, like the Marxist like economist. The boom in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, to handle the Mattelverse, the cinema, cinema. Uh, and he says this is not a feminist movie. Um, and then our reporter at Time took that to uh, Margot Robbie, and she raised her eyebrow and seemed disconcerted at that, and was like, "Oh, you know what? Fine, it's not. It's not. It's just a movie, right? There's all these these ideas here." So, uh, I mean, I think, the, but the the takeaway here was that Mattel wants to be seen as in on the joke. They want people to come to this movie hating Barbie and mm-hmm. still get something out of it. Yeah, they're like, uh, make a Barbie movie that doesn't suck, and she right. did. Yeah, right. that's why like the limited hangout thing is like, it's applicable to this. It's just also applicable to everything that we're going to get to consume, I guess is what I'm kind of arguing. It sucks. It sucks. It's like, um, it's like SNL, you know, mm-hmm. how like mm-hmm. Lauren Michaels is a Republican, and he has no problem running <laughs> SNL and having it be an entire, like, one-sided fucking partisan, you know, like, Democrat fest thing. Because at the end of the day, it benefits him. And there's an extent to which there's probably a line, but he has no problem just, like, constantly monitoring that line and going, like, you know, like like we were saying about the, the kid who calls Barbie a fascist. If they decided to let her in the movie, that means... She's probably not effective. Like, that's not going to change anyone's mind. It's actually works to their advantage that they get to control the entire narrative. And that's something that's really depressing. And it's a good critique of the thing. I guess I'm like kind of just coming from this perspective of like, but everything is like this. So, like, you have to engage with liberal art in just a way where you like choose the parts of it that you let, let yourself have fun with and then ultimately go it's but i it's trash i understand it's trash and it's not good to to promote this sort of thing or its ultimate agenda yeah you know know, there's some songs there were some fun musical numbers there were some amusing jokes and bits it is very funny that the right thinks it's like um you know basically uh socialist feminist revolution in this movie yeah it is woke like it's like it's like how you know the right also saw the democrats kneeling at can take class and they were like it's here the race riots the revolution it's here (laughs) the right is like soon white people will be slaves the right is super fucked up about like like family stuff and gender and shit like that right now though it's like really heavy on their minds with culture war shit so like i don't there's some extent to which there's stuff in this i'm glad ben shapiro saw like barbie and ken go we are two people and like (laughs) look we're just people like that's a really basic fucking concept but to them it's still like very far in the correct direction i mean some of these people are also political operators right so it could also be the case that like someone like ben shapiro i mean who knows maybe not ben shapiro he seems like a true believer like you know a fucking sucker but it's like someone 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 else who's like in that kind of milieu could have been like listen we have to get really mad at this because we cannot allow for say all the conservative women that exist here to watch this or even think about hmm that's interesting what they said yeah (laughs) well they i mean if we're talking about like 
famous conservative women, like they know, they know what. No, no, I know. I'm talking about like they know what they're doing. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I think it also is. I don't want to say heartening, but yes, on some level, it is heartening that um, the thing that they figured out would make the most money as part of this, you know, return of mass culture is uh, liberal feminism as opposed to, you know, the far right, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's hegemonic now. Those people are freaks. The vast majority of people in this country, like, do not have a problem with trans people or with being gay or with, you know, a woman having a, a life outside of her fucking relationship to a man. And, like, that's fine. I'll take it, I guess. Uh, the right backlash to the movie, I think the reason, like, it's kind of hard to parse what their problem with it is, although I'm sure within just 45 minutes, we could see three wonderful takes on YouTube. Um, I think the reason it kind of seems like they're pushing at nothing is the political class of our country is entirely bag chasers, and there doesn't need to be a thing happening for them to be like, no, don't go here. Watch my YouTube about it. Don't, your daughter will be turned gay. Don't. Uh, we could read some of what they said, like the tweet from Ben Shapiro. Oh, you did what or, three hours? Yeah, of, you made so much content, like, twice the amount of the movie. Some lady, and, what what was it? They were mad. They didn't like how they treated the pregnant doll. First of all, because she like, never gives birth. This and doesn't have pregnant. family values. They like. She's the best doll. She's barefoot in the kitchen of the loving husband. <laughs> yes. as he, as she should. That her. should be every Barbie. Midge. Every Barbie name. should be <laughs> pregnant. I would, I would be curious to get Ben Shapiro's thoughts on what I, you know, this idiosyncratic of me, but one of the things I thought a lot about during and after the movie is uh, the scene where Ken is learning about the patriarchy and seeing all, being invigorated by all this imagery about manly men, manliness and capitalism. And there is a picture of Bill Clinton that's very prominent. Right. Yeah, and Did then not there's that. like a Reagan oh, yeah. photo that you know flashes up for a second too. But Bill oh, Clinton yeah. is right there. <laughs> oh, I really, wow. I'm Andrew's still chewing pointed on. Pointed at the screen like Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. <laughs> That's so funny. What is she trying to say with that? Because in a way, he's kind of a Ken, or ended up being one to Hillary Clinton's Barbie, right? He's the supportive in a husband, partner. Sense. Yeah, but uh, behind that, he's evil. Oh my God, that's so funny. You know what else I was just thinking about? This Barbie, so I've been reading a book on family abolition, all right? Families, the family as such does not exist in Barbie land. Yeah, yeah. let's get into it. And that's a good thing. So I wanted to read real quick. They don't have kids. Right, there's no fuck. kids. So before we get into it, um, there's, I, just reading something like that Ben Shapiro said in terms of like this actual, in the video he did for the review for the movie. Give it to us. He said like, there's a trans Barbie and no one mentions it and they carry on like it's normal. Like, that's what normal people do. What yeah. do you mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, they all have to point and shout and kill her with fire and we accept, expel her from the community. <laughs> we accept one of the Barbies is trans, one of them is Dua Lipa and you only find that out in the credits. But it kind of clarifies a lot of what was I, happening in the dance scene. Just want to be clear, I knew it was Dua Lipa the whole time. Oh, okay. She's a mermaid. <laughs> that completely went by me. Not a bun pop. I didn't know which one she was. I just knew she was in there. I also have face blindness. There's a lot happening in the Barbie movie for me. (laughs) Oh, that happened to me like 10 times. I was like, wait, that one was one of the most famous people ever. Um, They don't have kids, right? It's, it's interesting. Like, 
what? I don't know. I guess I was kind of like, the reason I'm giving this fucking story too much credit here, this movie, is because at least what I read of it, what I got out of it from one of the main plot lines was the lesson, which is a true lesson and I think is like uh, not understood enough that it is good to make a popular story out of is that the patriarchy is also bad for men. Mm-hmm. Um, and like at least what I, my read of it is, and we can argue about whether this is even like an accurate read or whatever is that they lived in this weird kind of matriarchal thing. And then Ken comes back with patriarchy and then they, they, they sort of explore. Like I, I really enjoyed like the jokes about dudes in it. I thought that was like really yeah. ripe for comedy because comedy traditionally just kind of goes the other way. It's just like when I was first doing stand up, every fucking joke was like, Oh, she's a stripper. Cause her dad didn't love her or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we're living in a post 2016, like reductress era where like, uh, okay, we've also done all the jokes about guys not having bed frames and shit like that. But I don't know, just as like a, a joke writer, like this, the stuff they were doing with like the, the Kens that were like really high on the patriarchy singing Matchbox 20 songs oh on their acoustic God. guitars and shit. It was pretty he, funny. He nailed that, by the way. He did. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say uh, something I really appreciated about it is because when you're watching it, it's like, oh, a lot of kids are not going to get these jokes. This movie almost seems like it's more for <gasps> adults. Or did Greta Gerwig do, do this thing that, you know, sometimes people say about The Simpsons where they, they go through and it's like for every joke that a kid will appreciate an adult will appreciate, which they don't do on The Simpsons. And Greta Gerwig didn't do that either. She said in an interview that she grew up watching a lot of stuff that wasn't, quote, meant for kids that influenced her and she appreciated it. And just, she just went for it and just did what made sense to her and she thought was funny and worked. And uh, I, I really respect that. Yeah, I, I do too. I personally, like, when I was a kid, I found children's entertainment to be very condescending. And yeah. I was like, I want to watch HBO and right. shit. And, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if other kids are like that. Yeah, but. Well, yeah, you don't even have to be smart to know when a kid, when an adult is talking to you differently. That would always mm-hmm. irk me. Is he like, hi? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it drove me fucking crazy. Yeah. But I was also depressed as a kid. So, like, you know, <laughs> something there. I didn't like but. Bill Nye. I thought he was a little too, like, come on, just tell me about the science, man. Interesting. You gotta be that wacky. <laughs> He's apparently a dick in real life. So, you know, I guess I was onto something. I think also, and this is just pure speculation, and maybe Jamie has like a, a different experience on it. That there's like a lot of like shit in there for people who actually used Barbies. That is payoff for them. I wasn't getting in the theater because I watched it with my wife, and she was dying at the abused like oh fucked up God. Barbie. Yeah, that's character. how you play with Barbies. She, and she was like, "I had one, and I ruined it. I ruined it every day." Children and I was are like, fucking sure. monsters. Like that is the the number one thing you do with Barbie is you fuck her up. The number two thing you do with Barbie is you make her scissor the other Barbies. Like everybody yeah. knows that. Well, it, it really does kind of have. <laughs> or maybe like, not. Uh, the, the scissoring scene got cut from the movie. <laughs> I feel like it really has a narrative arc to it because uh, when with a lot of kids, when you start playing with Barbie, you're following the instructions, you're doing what the Barbie's intended to, and as, as you grow older, you experiment and you try different things with the Barbie, and you cut the hair and you make them punk or whatever, and then eventually you put down the Barbie, give it to your little brother, and but you really. <laughs> mature and self-actualize as a person. And that's kind of what I felt like the ending of the movie was about. And it was probably, maybe I'm chuggy and it was actually just very corny and cringe. 
I I liked the montage at the end with the the moms and their daughters. And something I was really struck by is in that montage, unless I'm forgetting something, there is no branding. It's pure, just human connection. And they actually used real footage from the cast and crew. Uh, that's like the one Aww. sort of like brandless, barbieless space uh, in the film. Oh, interesting. Uh, it is kind of chuggy. But uh, I, I do like the, you know, the. You were supposed to like it. That was the purpose of that scene. Oh, damn. I've been owned. Ma- the message. Chew you, you know. within our context. <laughs> Imagination, creativity. Yeah. These are not things that you have to set aside just because you don't play with dolls anymore. You know, right. this is something that Greta Gerwig gets to do and make a lot of money at. And it's, you know, it's movie magic. So maybe that was a little self-aggrandizing on that level. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what makes you human? You come up with movies. You yeah. imagine things. But like... Right. Hollywood very, loves Hollywood. Yeah. It's annoying. They think <laughs> that what they're doing is so important. There's And there's a lot of... Filmic references, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, we should, uh, refer- oh, yeah. at the beginning. Uh, and yeah, that, was, that was fine. A lot of similarities to uh, Jacques Tati's uh, playtime um, throughout the film. She was influenced by that. Also, apparently, The Truman Show played a big oh, part I see in it. her. I could see it. Yeah. Sure. She actually yeah. spoke with... Uh, with Matt Gates. <laughs> no, Peter Ware, um, who made Truman Show, also a great Australian filmmaker. About um, and he really gave her advice on on the production of it. Uh, one more comment about Barbie Land. One of the funniest lines in the movie to me was when Ken, uh, Barbie's playing a fast one on Ken, and she shows you know they're tr- tricking the Kens. She shows up and she's like, "I would actually like to watch you play guitar for five hours." And he <laughs> tries to play it cool, then goes back in his house and says, "Sublime." Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's such a, a funny line, uh, and in the way, in a way, it's like we're talking about—is it utopia or whatever? I feel like the concept of Barbie Land is the, sub, the, the sublime. Well, get he, all here's a question. Interesting. Like, do we think that the movie thinks that the world would be better if it was largely a matriarchy and men yes. had? The, the amount of influence that you know women have now. I didn't, I didn't get that. It feels a I, little gender essentialist to me. It kind of is, but I I think the reason I was like impressed women can't by be it, assholes. I don't think so. No, I think that they. I I think that if I was reading the subtext of this movie correctly, it mis it, it uh, misdirects you into thinking that that is going to be the point of that arc about the patriarchy, and then it gets to kind of it kind of implies that it gets past that and goes actually like matriarchy or patriarchy. Neither of these things would be good. Although, well, you know, I mean, okay, we don't have enough time, but like, it also doesn't understand where patriarchy comes from. I was going to say, so I, anyone like I, one of the fucking things that I've read that kind of blew my mind as a young leftist and like really got me down the path of thinking about all of this stuff. Is it Sex at Dawn? Not Sex at Dawn. Sex at Dawn. <laughs> well, sort of. I read Sex at Dawn at one point, and it was like, uh, that guy's, you know, a, a chuggy-ass anthropologist, and he's he kind of sucks, but he kind of put me on the, the direction of then reading Origin of the Family, Private Property in the State yes. by Engels, and then Kolontai, who has a lot of interesting shit about the, the family and where it comes from and the patriarchy. And uh, all of that stuff, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't get brought up enough in like left critique of stuff because we're talking about the origin of 
property. It's it's all mangled up and tangled up together with you know the transition from uh, like primitive communism to fucking farming and private property and stuff like that. And the like, what am I getting at here? Like, the, I guess what they're getting at in the movie is like there are inklings of kind of like Rousseau shit where they kind of are arguing that a matriarchy is better, but a a matriarchy is what people were living under before primitive communism. At least if you go off of Engels and what he (laughs) says in that book with this anthropologist, I can't remember the name of that he works off heavily, but he he basically proposes the the argument that uh, if you studied like indigenous people in America, when white people came over here and it kind of created the field of anthropology that like what was happening and what you can infer to be happening on a previous timeline where they came from was that people lived matriarchal in a matriarchal society before agriculture because uh, bloodlines were just tracked a different way or they weren't really kept track of as tediously. Like there were like incest taboos and stuff like that. But um, he goes through the book is boring for parts of it because it's like he has to break down these things called gens, which you can kind of track historically, and uh, they existed in like Rome before everything. But like, is that like a Karen G E N S. It's okay. like a system of organizing families and stuff ah. like that and bloodlines. And the argument that he makes is that when private property became a thing, when farming became a thing, uh, the the reason that we the family unit was sort of created was before that you didn't care whether your kid was your kid. Uh, everyone communally sort of raised children, and there wasn't a lot to pass down because people had to carry all their shit with them. Right. So when suddenly you had a situation where families owned shit and they were worried about passing down property via a bloodline there became a taboo about women cheating because if a Ooh. woman a woman has sex with another person and you're not sure whether uh. your kid is your kid, then that creates a huge problem. That too, taboo doesn't really exist for men and because it doesn't affect that man's bloodline or whatever. And that's why women became property. And it's mm. based on reproduction, uh, which is really important, I think, to understand that there's a material explanation for where the patriarchy came from because people like Jordan Peterson and all these fucking dickheads are going around right now and they are making an essentialist argument about it. And they are saying the patriarchy exists because men are stronger and men traditionally, you know, it came from genetics that we just are natural leaders and stuff like that. Yeah. Materially did not exist before that. Uh, people were arguably freer under the matriarchy because the matriarchy wasn't a system where the woman was like dominating the family and and, and worried about all oh, my money and stuff in the bloodline or whatever. Mm. But you know, obviously we can go fucking crazy from here and yeah, get into like I mean, the dawn of everything and we don't need to go back. We need to go forward or whatever. But like I, that's, I don't know. They either were making, well, that, they weren't making that argument. I was just seeing it in the, <laughs> in the fucking movie or whatever. But we have to synthesize the past with the with with the with the conditions of now to end history, right? And that's fucking family abolition. Like that's yeah. kind of what it's about. Um, and I don't obviously like I don't think that that was in this movie, but I do think that the the critique of the patriarchy as being 
something generally bad was in the movie, and our job is people that saw it and talk about it is to go, sure. yeah, let's carry that a little bit yes, further. And and why. Yeah, there is like sort of a liberal feminist version of the Jordan Peterson thing, where men are inherently bad. And uh, and and by men, you know, it's a slippery slope from there to like turf shit. Right. right? right. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a strain of radical feminism that maybe we don't like so much where everyone who's born with a penis is inherently dangerous or, you know, bad or whatever. And everyone who's born with a vagina is, you know, good. And that's uh, it's because they're connected to the moon. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> the moon gets heavily involved. Yeah. How do we know that the moon is good? Women tell us about it. Oh, right. That, that right. They know the moon. They're friends with the moon. Oh, that's circular logic. But me but and the moon like have the a moon. complex relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't if, exactly say. This is just what I've heard. This yeah, is what I've read in the trade. Yeah, Alex, what if the moon is like the demiurge, just the false god? It could, it could be, but I, it's still very much a player in the game that remains undiscussed. The moon is out there. The moon is out <laughs> moon, there. Moon, if you're listening, email us. Right <laughs> in. The, the moon is crazy, though. Remember when we were on Fire Island, how fucking orange it was? Yeah, because we were on other stuff, too. Well, like, but then it changed so many times. And I wasn't on drugs <laughs> for the whole time. It just does what it wants, okay? The moon is like a film in that <laughs> you see things in it, and part of the things that you see are your own read, and part of those the things that you see are the moon itself. And there's an interplay there. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, one could say that. Magnets, magnets are involved in film and the moon. True. I'm not going to spell it out for you people. That's the next, actually, uh, existing IP movie is just about the moon. No, we we exhaust the- every product. Moon universe. It's just, it, the things they're actually cool. going to produce as films in the next three years are so beyond satire. Like, we're right. going to get an Uno movie. <laughs> I when I was walking really? into the fucking theater, is that the, a joke? I, no. I can't even tell. No, Hot no. Wheels. J.J. Abrams is making a Hot oh, Wheels wow. movie. I yeah. don't know how that could. I don't think it's going to work. I'm calling it because Barbie works because it's a character slash characters. There's no also is extremely famous. Is like when you think of a doll, boom, Barbie. Yeah, there's nobody necessarily driving. We don't know who drives the Hot Wheels. We can't relate to anybody there. We can't relate to Uno. It kind of sucks that this was a good movie because it's going to cause yeah. more of that. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. And it will have terrible repercussions, much like the first Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I've, I do deeply resent that they're making a Polly Pocket movie. And I think a lot of that is misogyny. And I need to take time and think about that. Yeah. You need to uh, examine that. I need space. Let's get back to 2016 girl boss feminism. You need to examine that. And we all need to stop manspreading and... I don't feel like we all need to re- like rate the movie, do we? Is that how we end this? Or I feel like we just say good discussion about Barbie, everyone. Yeah, great work. I, rate I, the discussion. Oh, that's tricky. Or listeners, I'm sure will do that. Yeah, they do. They're gonna do that for us. Yeah. Zero out of ten. Five out of clouds. five. And yet, I'll still give you five dollars. Disembodied doll heads for us. I'll take it. You know, I don't know. there's a doll's head trail. In the park, in the forest that I'm trying to save in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, that's cool, though. And I, I saw it on Atlas Obscura, and I wanted to take a hike down it, but I didn't have time because I'm always very busy defending the forest. But maybe someday. I saw one of those in Massachusetts, and they're unsettling. 
because it's like something unnatural is there. (laughs) It's like, what? I mean, I did see a couple of them because it like intersects with the Mm. trails that I was operating on. I was like, oh, that's so creepy. I want to go that way, but I can't. It's deeply wrong and unnatural. Uh, who has plugs? Let's get the fuck out of here. I'm <laughs> so exhausted. Hot. It's hot. And it's I think I've so said it. hot. I think I've said what I need to say here, but I, again, want to reiterate, read Engels, read Colin Ty, read about yeah. the family, read family abolition. It's uh, important given that the entire argument that the entire world is having right now is about the family. If Barbie got you interested in feminism, here's some stuff for you to read. This could be your sex at dawn. It's like, you know, it's like, yes, Anne, like we were saying before. Yeah. Uh, does anybody else have any final thoughts on Barbie before he plugs and get the fuck out of here? Just go to every Barbie film screening and just hand out Call and Tie. You might like yeah. this. You might like this. You might like this. Come you on, know? Barbie. Let's go party. That's if you fun. like girl power, you'll love this book by Call and Tie. You will like Soviet power. Yeah. Come on, Barbie. Let's go communist party. There we go. There you go. Okay. I have to pee. I've been like <laughs> wondering for like 15 minutes. We're if done. I should like. Do plugs. Go do it or wait my tiny female bladder um yeah listen to our podcast it's called everybody loves communism we don't put it out all the time but when we do it's really good so check it out also we have a show right yes oh fuck (laughs) oh my god me and jake are doing a show it's gonna be great. September 2nd at TVI, uh, The Woke Mob, live with Jake and Jamie. We're gonna do a weird, crazy live variety show with late music night, and stuff. Late night show. It's gonna be a musical guest. There's gonna be hijinks. There's gonna be some great guests that um, have yet to be announced. Um, and there's gonna be a flyer real soon that I'll put everywhere on social media so you guys can remember. But yeah, it's gonna be at 7.30 p.m. at TVI in Richwood, which is a great venue, folks. They've got food, they've got DJs, they've got multiple zones you can be in. They have alcohol. They have, ever been to a place that has that? They do, they do oh, have yeah. alcohol. They also have the best bathrooms for doing drugs in in New York City. Allegedly. 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 Yeah, no. There's one of the bathrooms. Uh, what? There's like a little mirror table and it pipes in, let it snow. It's fucking hilarious. All right. Come to Woke Mob. Anybody else? Plugs. Paid protest, August 11th, uh, 7.30 doors, 8 o'clock show at Silo in Bushwick. I'm on that. Jake is on paid protest. I wanted to say that. Jake's Next, on everything. He's I'm on very Muntara. booked right now. That's around. Next Saturday, if you are living in New York City, the the Big Apple, the City of Lights, you come to the Quarators live show. It is at Caveat Bar and Grill and Lounge, and we're reading Quora's, and Jeremy's going to try to summon a demon, and I won't let it happen. I refuse to allow a demon to be summoned in my presence. It's not worth the risk, and it's not fun to joke around about. And uh, if, look on my Twitter for tickets for that. Go ahead. If you like this engaging but can be irritating conversation in terms of analyzing the movie Barbie, then join DSA at DSAUSA.org. Perfect segue. Nailed it. There will be a Barbie caucus and an anti-Barbie caucus at this year's convention debating this. It's uh, it's not on the consent agenda, apparently. They're going to be full-scale debate. All right. But if you're interested, if you like this podcast and you like... Socialism, and you're not a member of an organization, join DSA. It's finished. Woo!